Welcome to Beyond the BEO, an event planner's podcast. I'm your host, Shenandoah Nicholson, and this is episode three. This episode is brought to you by The Right Stuff Agency, a content marketing agency making your business sound as good as it looks. And GateCheck, a new subscription box made for travel lovers. Use the code BEO discount to get $5 off your subscription. Welcome back to episode three. I'm really excited about today's episode because it ties in two of my favorite things, events and social impact. In the last episode, I mentioned that I'm working on my MBA right now and my focus is social impact because I really believe that businesses need to be doing more to be better to the environment and towards their communities. And today my guest has created an amazing agency that does just that. My guest is Catherine McGuire a female entrepreneur, founder, and creator at Wholehearted, an agency dedicated to enriching the employee experience through strategic programs that align with corporate values and community needs. With over 10 years of experience in the events and hospitality industry, she is familiar with the logistics, nuances, and continuous evolution of in-person and virtual events. What started as a nonprofit initiative at the height of the global pandemic sparked a concept that now provides leaders with a way to engage their teams and customers in a unique way that build meaningful connections and turn into more productive workplaces. From strategic live event programming to thoughtful virtual experiences and intentional sourcing, wholehearted partners with local businesses and aims to have an impact both within the walls of the organizations they serve and throughout the communities they support. In this episode, we talk about what the internet is talking about, the great resignation. We chat about how companies can keep their employees engaged, even in remote setups, using dynamic and thoughtful events. Let's get into it. Hi, and welcome, Kat. Thank you so much for joining us. So I know that I know you pretty well, but I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us more about yourself and kind of your journey of how you got to where you are today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be part of your group of guests because the episodes so far have been so exciting. So I feel very lucky. For those who don't know me, I am Kat McGuire. I'm the founder and creator of Wholehearted. We are an agency that's focused on employee engagement by aligning company values with community needs. So social impact is really at the heart of the programs that we do. I'm also the mama to a giant puppy and a soon-to-be baby girl. So life is exciting. Does That really does sound exciting. So. <laughs> You're definitely a busy woman, so we definitely appreciate you taking the time today. So you mentioned the agency Wholehearted, and maybe you could go into a little bit more about how you got started with that, like where did it come from, where you think the the need was that it, it was really needed in the in the market. Sure. Essentially, for me, it's bringing two passions together. So I have always found the employee experience to be so important because we spend so much of our time and so much of our life at work. And I really feel like there's an opportunity for leaders to make that time more impactful, more valuable, a happier place, a more productive place. And at the same time, I've always been very attached to 
the needs of my community, supporting local businesses and local organizations. So at the height of the pandemic, I, you know, was watching the news with my husband and they were profiling the day in the life of an ICU nurse and, you know, what her journey looks like, the extremely long hours at work, and then coming home, taking off her scrubs, going into her house, hoping not to infect the rest of her family. And at that time, there was a really big focus on the impact to frontline workers and especially healthcare workers. So we decided what can we do from home to support these people, let them know that we appreciate them. And we ended up raising funds from our community to purchase healthy meals from caterers or restaurants who were largely affected by closures or cancellations. And then we included a handwritten note on each lunch that had a message from our community donors just to encourage them And we delivered them to the hospital at that time. We called it a Fuel the Superheroes Week. We thought it would be one week of delivering lunches. But the response was so positive that we ended up doing it for almost eight weeks and just over 3,000 meals were delivered. So not only were we able to reach the two local hospitals here and, you know, different departments, but also the staff in long-term care homes, paramedics, even the cleaning facilities of all of these different buildings and teams. So that sort of led me to a place that I felt people really want to be part of something. People really build the sense of connection and community when they do good together. And through that, I thought, let's take that idea bring it to the workplace. So many people are working remote or hybrid, and maybe there's a way to kind of bake that social impact component into all of these team building activities that are now happening online. So pilot tested it. It worked well. People really, I think, felt a sense of togetherness when they were participating in these team buildings, but knowing they were making an impact. And that led to Wholehearted where it is today, which is now in-person events, virtual events, and some kits that typically support Canadian small businesses. That's great. I, you mentioned that people really wanted to to help. Something that really struck me early in the pandemic, you know, as a planner, as someone who's very social and active, it was so hard to just sit and do nothing. And even though that was doing our part <laughs> at the time, but like it's hard to do, right? You know, normally if there's some sort of disaster or crisis, you're like, okay, how do I physically help? But for a lot of people, it, the the best thing to do was to not physically help. And so, you know, you talked a little bit about kind of how people really want to have that impact. And I know that I've done, heard of programs in the past or have seen them in action of, you know, trying to do, tie in employee engagement with volunteer opportunities or different local nonprofits, but really sometimes they're not really hitting the mark. And so how do you really make sure that you're having a real impact and not just, you know, kind of social washing, like doing something that makes you feel good? I, I know I, I've told you this story before, but for the listeners, <laughs> I, I maybe urban legend, but I heard of an organization <laughs> that kept painting the same fence over and over again because they didn't really have something for volunteers to do, but they didn't want to turn down 
the time and the effort of people. So how do you make sure that you're really having a real impact and not just doing something that doesn't really need to be done or is not really substantially helping the the nonprofit organization? For sure. I mean, there's so much to that. And I feel like I could talk a whole episode just about (laughs) that question. But essentially, I think that feeling of helplessness was so strong at that time. And like you said, a a lot of people in a time of crisis want to get their hands dirty. They want to be part of something. But even up until today, there are so many nonprofit organizations that have strong protocols against having people in their building or even accepting certain donations. So that in itself is something that I feel we've really become experts in is knowing which organizations are most in need because a lot of those numbers have gone way up through the pandemic. And then also which ones are accepting what type of help or what type of items and how do you actually facilitate that? Because that has become a really big part of of what we do. In terms of making a real impact, for me, What is really important is that we're focusing on a local organization where not only do they feel the difference, but also the employees feel that what they're doing is tangible and is something that they can see. Uh, I use this example all the time, and it's not that it's not important, but I think we typically think of philanthropic initiatives as, you know, the company president standing there with a big check, getting their picture taken, and there's nothing wrong with that because organizations do need financial donations, but that doesn't allow the employees to be involved. It doesn't allow them to see where those funds go. It doesn't allow them to see the impact that they're making on people that are right there in the communities that they work in, play and live in. So for us, we really do research on both sides. What's the objective of the company? What's important to their values? What's important to the participants? You know, is there a strong group of people who believe in, you know, sustainable initiatives or is a certain cause like youth shelter super important to them? And then we focus on that cause or that marginalized group and we find organizations who are truly making an impact, who are right there and I think in terms of of social washing, I mean, similar to greenwashing when eco-friendly initiatives really peaked is there's there it's such a complex topic and there's so much to this and in a corporation it's so large scale to say we're a social enterprise or we're a green enterprise and so by no means are we creating those types of businesses, but I think we're able to create meaningful experiences that would already be happening. People are already doing team building. They're already doing offsite meetings. They're already doing employee appreciation gifts. We are just making them more intentional. And that's my way of saying, you know, we're not, we're not promoting that we are creating these huge ESG programs, but we're taking small steps to make a real difference. For sure, for sure. I think there's a couple things that you touched on there. In an earlier episode, we we talked with Romina about, you know, greenwashing and how to improve your sustainability efforts. And and like you said, it's not about kind of changing overnight everything that you're doing because <laughs> that's that's not sustainable, right? You know, we all know that mm-hmm. if you make a new year's resolution and it's too big or too hard and you're it's too easy to get discouraged. So really 
instead of saying, well, I can't do everything, so I'm going to do nothing, you know, taking those smaller steps was so important. And, you know, you touched on, of course, organizations need monetary donations. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt that a big check will help and really, (laughs) you know, does good in those organizations. But maybe you can talk a little bit more about, you know, why is employee engagement so important with the charities and nonprofits, but also within an organization that they're working for? You know, we keep seeing on LinkedIn about the great reshuffle, the resignation, the great this, (laughs) the great that, you know, where does kind of team employee engagement kind of work into both the nonprofits and within the organizations? Yeah, I mean, employee engagement has become such a hot topic and there's so much research and so much data to support that purposeful workplace and being able to make an impact socially through your work has become such a priority for the workforce. And with that comes the research that an engaged employee and a passionate employee is one who becomes happier, who is more productive, who wants to collaborate more, who is more creative, who's problem solving. I mean, there's so many benefits to having an employee that is truly turned turned on. And I would say, I, I read an article actually about the difference between an engaged employee and a passionate employee. And a passionate employee is sort of that one that takes it to the next level and they become a brand ambassador for your company. And as an employer, that is like the best place you could possibly be in. So I think if there are little things we can do that contribute to that engagement factor going up, that's amazing. And I mean, all of the research shows that employees want to work for companies that have strong values and behaviors that go along with those values. For sure. I think it's interesting that, you know, it it is becoming such an important part because of course, going back to money, you know, a, a good salary <laughs> and, a, and a, a competitive wage is obviously important and also allows your employees to do good in other ways. But I do think that people are reevaluating what's important to them. You know, it's been a long two years and how is work fitting into our lives instead of trying to think of it the other way around. And you mentioned, you know, the authenticity and that type of connection. I just saw an article on LinkedIn that I've seen several times about uh, Patagonia who did a huge Black Friday sale made lots and lots of money on this great Black Friday sale, and then donated all of the profits. And so really putting their money where their mouth is to say, you know, we are committed to these things. And here's why and here's how we're that committed. And I think, you know, people, consumers, employees are becoming more aware of companies that say one thing and then do another. And they're really looking for that action. And I know some organizations are, you know, wanting to participate and do better, but if their actions towards their employees or towards their customers or towards the environment aren't in line with what they're saying in press releases, people are calling them out. You know, it's not, we're not just Mm -hmm. believing them anymore, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I always use the example of what are people saying at the dinner table? Mm. Like at the end of the day, when their work day's done and they're having dinner with their family or their friends or whoever, what are they saying about their experience at their company? Or what are they saying about a product they just purchased? 
you know, we focus on the employee portion, but a lot of what we do can be applied to customer events and customer interactions as well. And there's a huge market out there for why consumers purchase the way they do. And like you said, people are becoming more and more educated on where they buy from, who they buy from, and what those purpose-driven businesses are all about and what impact they're actually making. I actually shared on our social channels last week, I think the statistic was 66% of consumers would actually switch from a product they already use to a similar product that has a social impact or a social consciousness initiative behind it. So those numbers continue to grow and people do care about what businesses are doing to give back. For sure. And I think, you know, it can be a challenge when there's so many large companies that it's hard to not interact with them in some way. But I think, <laughs> and you know, the big yeah. one, <laughs> you know, I try not to purchase from them, but you know, I'll still listen to their podcast because I don't have another option, right? So I think, you know, it is about just trying to find that that balance. And, you know, you talked about customers, but I think that also ties into event attendees as well. So looking at, mm-hmm. yes, it, you know, traditionally you've been working with a lot of employees, but like you mentioned, this this could be something that carries over to attendees at an event because it's the same, I think attendees are looking for the same types of values and things like that from the events and conferences they're attending. Absolutely. And we're working on a really exciting partnership right now, actually, with a company to basically integrate what we're calling a social impact break. And it's something that could be offered to groups that are already on site having a meeting. We have tested it a few times. And one of the most successful programs for Wholehearted in general was this program. This group was already meeting offsite at a hotel. They had sort of their QBR agenda. But while they were having lunch, we set up this marketplace, which had items for women, for children, and for pantries. And when everyone came back from lunch, they were provided an eco-friendly reusable bag, a little card of who they were shopping for. They went through our marketplace dressed up as elves because it was near the holiday season. So we had some fun with that. And they created these little essentials kit for, for the person, the recipient that they were shopping for. They wrote a handwritten card that went with it. They wrapped it. And then we delivered them to a shelter near that venue that day. And I think, you know, it's something very simple. It's something most of us have done before, whether it's a shoebox project or something like that. But I think it was getting people away from their meeting agenda, getting them away from their cell phones and their computer, and just allowing this new space to have different conversations. And all of a sudden, you know, there were people talking about how they are the best gift wrapper in their household or about their favorite holiday tradition is this. And it just created this new sense of connection, but also this immediate impact into the community where they were having their meetings. So I think from a conference and event standpoint, there's a huge opportunity to take even just an hour or two hours of your agenda and turn it into something that is valuable on both sides. For sure. I think that's that sounds really great because like you said, and we say we joke in the events industry about, you know, how much how much do you learn or get done or how much business starts in the catering line, right? Because it's those mm-hmm. informal conversations, whether it's the race to wrap the best present or it's the conversation about celebrations and getting to know people outside of 
the work environment. And I find particularly the Zoom environment where things are very, we start the meeting at this time, we end it at this time, and we're all about efficiencies in these meetings now because it's <laughs> virtual and people, you know, don't want to spend too much time on Zoom and other video platforms. So I think it's so true that the things that you learn about either your attendees or your employees or your coworkers in those informal times are the things that really connect you and really build that engagement and strong team, right? I think that's so important. Absolutely. And that's something that we really focus on in the virtual space, I would say, particularly is what is the objective of the group when they come to us looking to have some sort of experience? For some of them, you know, it's celebrating a big milestone. For others, it is getting to know team members who may have been hired in a fully virtual space and they have not met in person yet. For others, it could be learning to problem solve together. So we really try to customize the experience to the objective of the group because the activity that they do will be tailored to that. I find, you know, there was a lot of this, there was a a very popular um, option where these cooking experiences, which are great, but cooking doesn't come naturally to everybody. (laughs) And it tends to be something (laughs) where, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I need to focus. I need to pay attention to what the chef is doing. Am I doing it right? And you're very in the zone and it's a great way to learn a new skill. It's a great way to try something different, but you're not really interacting with your team members in that space. And it doesn't lend itself well to either problem solving or to connecting with people that you've never met if it's new members of of your team. So that's why I say that we really try to find out what the purpose is and then tailor the experience to allow the space so that those results are strong. And if you're celebrating a milestone, then yes, let's absolutely cook and do something fun and make a cocktail and hone in on, you know, learning that that new skill and maybe have a gift that goes with it. But if you are trying to problem solve, or you're trying to get your team to communicate better, let's put them in a really interactive escape room in small breakout rooms, and then have them come back and we can do a fun trivia, or something like that, that's a little bit more lighthearted, but it's really um, using the platform to get the results that the the company needs. For sure. I think I, I, I know that the podcast is called beyond the BEO, but I think that, you know, <laughs> the event purpose like, would have been just as good of a name for the podcast because it's so important. Like, what are you trying to accomplish instead of just doing it because you're like, well, we haven't gotten together or it's the holidays. So we're supposed to get together, you know, really thinking back, okay, well, what do we hope happens after this? Is it that we just want to have an hour where we're not working? Well, you can do that, (laughs) but is it going to really either improve your team's morale or your team's connection or their engagement? So I think it's so important, like you said, really focusing on that purpose of what are we trying to do? Is it that We want to have certain results or outcomes on the team. And obviously they're not going to be like super measured, but like how are the team feeling after, after doing it? So you talked Mm -hmm. a little bit about activities that you've done maybe, and a little bit about how it's worked virtually, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about how you're doing it virtually, what activities have been going well, and 
also like what size of teams are you working with? Like, is this only really great for a team of five or 10 or can it be hundreds of people? Like, how are you uh, seeing that working for, for teams? Mm-hmm. It's been such a diverse group of clients, which is amazing because we've had the opportunity to see what works well and what doesn't in different environments. We've worked with anything from, you know, a local veterinary clinic here who only has 10 employees all the way to some large tech enterprise style organizations and groups of a couple hundred. So I think it is definitely scalable. Again, the experience itself or the program itself has to match that group and the size and the scalability and also the logistics that go with that and the timeline that goes with that because we all know that shipping has become a little bit of a challenge. So if there's any type of delivery kit, that's always something to consider. But I really think the virtual platforms that are available right now are so smart and lend themselves so well to groups of any size that it really allows us to do anything from 10 people to 1,000 people. And then also really making sure that the partners that come in to support these programs are partners that are comfortable in a virtual setting because not everybody is. It's a, when... <laughs> it's a different, it's a different beast. It's a different beast to present in person versus virtually. It's, it's different. It's just very different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, you know, it's presenting and it's also teaching mm-hmm. or demonstrating or interacting and you become the host of this group. So that's something that we really value is finding people who are super comfortable in the virtual space and can really get people engaged and, and interacting, even if they are from home. Perfect. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes sense. Because I think it is, it is a skill to translate it from in person to virtually and back again. And, have, <laughs> you know, which, you know, we've done a lot of in the last couple of years of, oh, we're going in person. Oh, we're going virtually. Oh, now we're going back in person. So, you know, having the right partners that, you know, host these activities to really be able to do that. And I would be remiss, you know, as any good event planner to talk about budget. So not so much like the nitty gritty, of course, because it's going to depend on the size and scale and what you're trying to accomplish. But what are some things that people might not think of when they're trying to create a budget for a team building activity or a charitable experience at an event? Mm -hmm. I would say in general, the budget is pretty similar to any other experience you would be putting on for your attendees or your employees. Like if you were having a gala dinner, the price per head is probably pretty similar to what a virtual experience could look like. There's always upgrades to that. The range is very large. The biggest piece is really when it comes to shipping materials. I I think if you talk to anyone who's shipped any kind of gift, Over the past 18 months, those shipping costs can rack up very quickly, and especially if you're working on a short timeline. So even for us, a learning experience was, you know, when do we need the messaging to send it to the designer to get it printed, to get the printing back, (laughs) to package everything, and then to have time to ship it with uh, a buffer. And I've heard some nightmare stories of, you know, people who are receiving experience kits like three hours after the experience ended. So like you said, you know, missing the mark 
both on just the um, attendee experience side, but also on the charitable impact side. So for, for me, it's really being clear about what those timelines look like, what the expectation is, and making sure that whatever we commit to, we can absolutely deliver on because it would be such a nightmare for me if, you know, someone said they didn't get things until three hours after an experience. I think it can just do so much harm. And the same with a gift. You can't expect to have one gift that fits all. And I think it's really important to be super intentional and thoughtful and allow yourself enough time to have strategic conversations around what the experience is or what the gift portion that accompanies it is. And is it going to suit everyone who's part of that that experience? For sure. No, I think those are some great considerations because I know that, you know, like you mentioned, shipping I feel like it's all over the place. Some places I get things really quickly. Some places are super delayed. I recently had a book that I bought that literally just disappeared. I emailed them and said, hey, this never (laughs) arrived. And they could not. They're like, okay, we'll just send you a new one because we don't know where where that that is. It is is lost to the ether. So somewhere there is a (laughs) Mel Brooks book sitting in a random (laughs) warehouse with no home, which is sad to think about, but I did eventually get it. So I think you're right. Like, planning those buffers in. And I, I always say, or have been saying for the last few years is that virtual takes longer. People think that you spin Mm -hmm. it up faster, that it's, it's easier to do. Well, we just, you know, throw up a link and put on a video. And, and I found that, like you said, getting that stuff to the designer, there's a lot more design work that goes into something virtually there. There's so much more that leads up to it that needs to be ready so much earlier than we are used to in events. And then, like you said, making sure there's sh- the shipping has enough time to get there, you know, with, you know, different issues that we're still having. And, and then, you know, weather has been an issue. So, you know, obviously we can't control everything, but trying to build in as much as of a buffer as possible so that you don't have that poor experience for, for attendees and, and your team, I think is really important. Yeah. And things happen. Like nobody's perfect. No experience is going to be completely flawless. But I think just setting those expectations of, you know, what, what goes into one of these experiences or what goes into a virtual event or a virtual conference is so important. And, you know, whether not only for the time of the delivery, but also for the contents of the delivery is really important because in the crazy cold weather we are having now, a lot of the items can freeze. Right. Or if you are shipping something like chocolate in the middle of summer and you ship on a Friday, that box is going to sit in a hot warehouse for two or three days before it actually gets shipped by the shipping provider. So these are just all little things that, you know, we've learned along the way that I always try to give um, a little bit of intel (laughs) to people to, and just, again, allowing them to prepare their timelines and their expectations so that we can deliver. And at the end of the day, everyone's happy, hopefully. For sure. sure. (laughs) Well, I, Mm -hmm. like I said at the beginning, you and I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours, but we are at time. (laughs) So I think instead of us talking about it for hours and hours and hours, why don't you tell us where people can find more about you, where can they learn about the experiences and more about what Wholehearted is doing? Sure. So the website is www.givewholehearted.com. And I am also on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. 
The handle is at Team Wholehearted. And then I also personally am on LinkedIn and I'm always open to brainstorming, to having new conversations. Obviously, I'm very passionate about this topic. And I think, like I said, there's just so much opportunity, whether you are the leader of a large organization or the leader of a small team within an organization. I really do think that we can all make a difference both within the walls of the communities within our workplace, but also the communities around us. So I'm really excited to see what the rest of the companies out there do to make a difference and would love to be part of it. For sure. That's great. And we'll include all of that stuff in the show notes so people can grab those those handles and find you. So I wanted to thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was really great having you on the show. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to chatting with you again soon. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I'd love to hear how you incorporate giving into your events. Let me know on social media. You can follow Beyond the BEO at Beyond the BEO on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and TikTok. This show was brought to you by The Right Stuff Agency and GateCheck. Don't forget that Beyond the BEO is now a preferred provider of CMP clock hours. Complete the quiz in the show notes to receive your certificate. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep an eye out for our next episode in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Until next time.